Unprepared to engage Mormon missionaries when they knock on your door? Perhaps the book Mormonism 101 will help. Mormonism 101, published by Baker Book. Available at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Yesterday, we began looking at a Salt Lake Tribune article. It's not a real new article. It came out on December 19, 2017. And the article was basically announcing a book that was written by a Mormon couple, Terrell and Fiona Givens. The name of the book is the Christ Who Heals, How God Restored the Truth That Saves Us. And we're not here to really do a review of the book. We're mainly looking at what this article had to say. But the title of the article I found fascinating, Four Takeaways from a New Book That Challenges Mormons to Learn More About Their Own Doctrine and to Discard Protestant Notions About the God They Worship. Well, first of all, Eric, when I read the title, I don't really think that Mormons do worship the God that Protestants worship. I've been saying that for four decades since I started studying Mormonism. It seems pretty clear that the God they are talking about is not the God we believe in. So I don't really, I guess you could say, understand completely what this title is supposed to be saying to us. Other than it seems to be pretty clear that a Mormon better not be believing what we Protestants believe about God. So for all those Christians out there who think that the Mormon church is coming in our direction, well, Terrell Givens doesn't seem to be in agreement with that. But there were a lot of fascinating things I think that we can take away from this article. And yesterday we ended the show by talking about the paragraph where it says that the Protestant reformers got much wrong and how Terrell Givens lets us as readers see that His view, according to Terrell Givens' view, it is one of the most pervasive myths in Mormon culture today, and I think it really gets us on the wrong track. What's the pervasive myth? Well, in the previous paragraph where it says Latter-day Saints have long praised Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, and other reformers as paving the way for what Mormons embrace as the restoration of the full, uncorrupted Christian gospel. Now, what's amazing about that statement, Eric, is that when we look at what Joseph Smith taught regarding this uncorrupted Christian gospel, we don't really find a lot of these teachings in the New Testament. They're not there. So they have to argue from silence. You know, here's where the Mormons want it both ways. Oh, we want to believe in this uncorrupted Christian gospel. But of course, the problem is we also want to believe that somehow some centralized entity, this great and abominable church, went through the scriptures and got rid of all the plain and precious parts that we want to believe. So while they, on one hand, want to say that these things can't be found in the gospel, at the same time you want to criticize us because we go to the New Testament to support our view of the gospel? 
Doesn't that seem a little strange to you? It does. And, you know, he's not a reformer, but one person that I wish that Latter-day Saints would quit referring to would be C.S. Lewis. He was a British Christian who died in 1963 and a great philosopher, a great writer, wrote a number of books, but how many times we hear that name used as if somehow that C.S. Lewis was a supporter of Mormonism. And we're going to talk about that when we get into the next section, but what does the article have to say about these celebrated churchmen? Yeah, how did these celebrated churchmen get derailed? By strain, the authors argue, from early Christian concepts that later would form fundamental LDS teachings. Now, let's stop there because that's important. If you're going to say that they strayed from early Christian concepts that later would form fundamental LDS teachings, then please give us the references from the New Testament where these fundamental LDS teachings are found. Again, and I can't stress this enough, you can't say that your belief is founded on the New Testament while saying that plain and precious parts were taken out of it. You have to argue from silence, and that's exactly what Joseph Smith does. He invents these new concepts that we have no record in our church history of Christians ever believing, but because Joseph Smith says there was this complete apostasy, that that's the way it was? I mean, at the beginning of this article, they're encouraging Mormons to be studious, what do you study if, if the doctrine was never there in the first place? How do you claim to be a New Testament church? Then the article cites from the Givens, and, and it says this, While the Reformation may have ushered in religious diversity and pluralism, its major figures in many cases further deepen the gulf separating Western Christianity from the coming Restoration message. And then it says, for instance, Luther and Calvin abandoned Christian belief in free will. Man's salvation, quote, is utterly beyond his own powers, counsel, endeavors, will, and works, and absolutely depends on the will, counsel, and pleasure of God only. And that's Martin Luther. Now, here's what's very irritating for me, and I see this on Facebook a lot. Now, I get really weary when I hear Mormons and others misrepresent the views of Luther and Calvin. I mean, when Givens implies that Luther and Calvin abandoned Christian belief in free will, that is not true. One of the greatest works that Luther ever produced, and one that he himself wished would always remain, was his book, The Bondage of the Will. That's a classic. Luther certainly believed that man had free will, but he insisted that because of our fallen nature, mm. our will was in bondage. In other words, we do what we want to do. We have free will. The problem is, is our will does not want to worship the true and living God. Now, do you think Luther just made that up on the fly? Do you think Calvin just made that up on the fly? Absolutely not. How can you not come to the conclusion that man wants nothing to do with the true and living God when you read Romans chapter 3, starting with verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, now he's citing from the Old Testament, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. 
all have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. You mentioned that he's citing from the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul is citing Psalm 14, 1 through 3, and Psalm 53, 1 through 3. Fascinating how those phrases that you just cited are mentioned twice in the Psalms. Do you think maybe God wants us to learn something from this? When we find these verses cited three times in the Bible, twice in the Old Testament, once in the New. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. None is righteous, no not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God. Is that implying that man doesn't have a will? Wait a minute. It sounds to me like it certainly is implying man has a will, and his will does not want to seek for God. But because he is totally depraved, he is unable to see what God's will is and turns away on his own, based on his own nature. And God allows him to do that. But thankfully, God seeks us out. He confronts us and he moves within our heart, then the question I would like to ask those who don't believe what Paul has just said there, then how do we ever come to faith? If we don't seek after God, doesn't it mean that God would have to invade our space to convince us? How do those who disagree with Romans 3 pray for people? I've asked people this. They said, well, I I don't think you believe that man has a free will. I says, well, really? I said, well, tell me, how do you pray for the lost? Almost every time when I ask that question, they'll say, well, when I pray, I ask for God to move on their heart. I ask for God to open their eyes. Really? So in other words, you're asking God to invade a person's space and actually to convince him? Is that what you're saying? That's kind of what I believe, because that's exactly how I pray, because I know that no eloquent argument is going to suffice. It's only going to take a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of the lost and draw them unto himself. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Wait a minute. We just read from Romans 3. Man doesn't choose for God. So how does this work? Well, it seems like Paul's got the answer here. He just continues the thought, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. How does he become holy and blameless before him? Only by regeneration, only by being justified. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, God's will, to the praise of His glorious grace in which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And in verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, when it says his will, Eric, 
You think that's talking about man's will? No. No, it doesn't talk about man's will. Why? Because man's will goes away from God. Man's will wants nothing to do with the true and living God. It's not saying in the Bible that man does not have a desire to be religious and worship things. He certainly does. But when it comes to the true and living God, man has no desire for that in his life. So he wills to go in the other direction. So when Terrell Givens says that Luther and Calvin abandoned Christian belief in free will, I would argue, Mr. Givens, you don't know the issue. Believers, according to Jesus, are like sheep who listen to Jesus' voice. In John chapter 10, verses 27 and following, it says, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. So obviously, there is something that God does in a Christian's life to be able to allow them to freely accept him. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. Introducing Christianity to Mormons, a new book by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson is set to be released on September 13th. But if you'd like to get an early copy, Eric will be at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore on Saturday, September 10th from noon to 5, and will be happy to sign your copy. Now, the bookstore is located right there at 1358 South and West Temple, which is just west of the Smith Ballpark in Salt Lake City. Once again, it's all happening on Saturday, September 10th from noon to 5 p.m. We'll see you there.